I saw on uh, social media that uh, the Quiet House just had uh, their 10th anniversary of being a band. Congratulations. That's a big, that's a big achievement for any band to stay together that long. I don't, did the Beatles stay together that long? Yeah, I think the Beatles, they, I think they did 10 years. Yeah. I think they, they were kind of like right in that realm of 10 years. Are you sure? I, I, th I thought it was like 64 to 70 or something like that. 63 well, it, to 70. It was to 70, but I'm pretty sure they were like a band before their, you know what I'm saying? Like they were a band before we knew about them. Right. Like, so we're counting like were, Ham Hamburg days yeah, where they're like course. playing taverns and covers and all yeah, that stuff. Because if, yeah. if all you're counting is the massive success commercially they had, then the Quiet Hounds have never been a band. <laughs> 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 you know, so like you, you have to count their whole stint if you're going to make that comparison. I don't know if I've been, you know, friends with people for 10 years, <laughs> you know, except for maybe high school buddies and stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we've been friends for almost 10 years now. So actually, March of this year was the our 10 year anniversary. Hey, there you go. There you go. So, so it kind of dovetails into the whole Quiet Hounds thing, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So you also just, um, well, there were a couple of things I wanted to ask you about, but you know, this new single just came out, you guys just dropped out of the blue Black Swan. Sounds really great. Can you tell me a little bit about how that kind of came about? Um, something about the post, you were like, uh, Brad's got a new setup. He, and uh, he was playing some stuff at home. Is that right? Like everyone, you know, we've been pretty isolated due to the pandemic. And sure. <laughs> um, I, I moved to Athens. We were all in Atlanta and we had a space at the Goat Farm Art Center, which we've now dissolved and is gone. That's gone. Okay. But, um, you know, I moved out to Athens, built a studio. And then shortly after, uh, Brad followed me out here. No, Brad, <laughs> Brad and his family moved out here. And uh, so he's, you know, he's kind of got a, a, a house that's got space for a kit. So he's got a, a kit set up there and a little recording set up so he can do ideas and stuff. You can get a whole lot more house in Athens than you can in Atlanta. Exactly. Money. Exactly. <laughs> so he's got he's got a little like a rec room or something that he's got his his drum set up in. Yeah, kind of a music room. His his dad um, actually a lot of the guitars that I've played on a lot of stuff belong to Brad. He um, oh is that right? Our yeah our main like Martin acoustic that that we've been playing for years is Brad's that came from his dad, and then he's got this really oh. sick fifties like a fifty nine Gretsch. Um, oh. Wow. that I played on um, a bunch of stuff that that I did a few years ago. But he's got like a room that's got all this kind of music gear in it. So he's actually got, Brad's got a lot of gear. And Brad can play guitar too. Um, I didn't know that. Which, yeah, it would probably surprise a lot of people. Like it, it kind of always surprises me. We'll be sitting around talking or, you know, whatever. And Brad will pick up a guitar and start playing. I'm like, oh yeah, Brad can, Brad can actually <laughs> play guitar too. But um, he's just such a good drummer that it overshadows anything, you know, anything else that, you might think that he was doing he's he's just so good and um this is a little bit sidetracked but just to say like he and i since he's moved out he's been you know basically been the session drummer on almost every single thing i've done that i've had a project budget for so if there's a budget for an extra drummer that's not me which i usually like to have um brad has been that guy and it's been so cool it's been so fun um you know getting to learn the room and having somebody that talented to you know share the experience with you know figuring out how to mic stuff up in this room and getting good sounds and not even just that but playing around with like approaches to drumming you know like we have such a good uh communication about how to drum or or different approaches to to take on different songs and that's like been sure. really really fun and to get it back to quiet Hounds, though you know 
we've been doing so much of that over the past year we were like hey we let's really try to bring some of this to the to quiet hounds you mm -hmm. know when we when we go in to start writing and making another record let's let's try to like dial back a little bit on just the big kind of band vibe and try to do stuff that's a little bit more intimate and the two songs that mm. were released we just released black swans last friday and then next friday uh, will be this song waiting in cars and both of them don't follow but, that mold <laughs> which you already well yeah i heard waiting, the other one on Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah waiting in cars is available you can you can get it on Bandcamp right now but it'll it'll be officially out on but you're uh, gonna push it on yeah yeah when's the, the next uh, friday yeah yeah next friday um cool. but both of those songs are not kind of what i'm talking about now they were formed more remotely kind of like we did shake don't shatter right uh brad came up with some some cool like loops and stuff and he would he mm -hmm. had this folder and he was making a bunch of different drum loops and he dropped those in and then eric would take those and drop them in logic at his place and he'd come up with some ideas and then they would he would send that to me and then i would kind of like turn that into like usable content in some way like something that we could actually get our heads around right um and then kind of once we kind of formed that with these two specifically um then then you know brad came in and we tried to do good drum sounds and then i would get eric in so we they were all individual though we never really had any sessions where we were all here together working on those songs um they're very it's a, uh, it's a difference it's but it's a different sound than shake and it's a different sound than your last thing that you put out everything yeah. is always yeah um our buddy lewis who's who's been filling in playing some with the band live and is right. in the wirelight he's somebody i've produced yep. before and, and also played on his records you know i'd sent him the songs a little ahead of us releasing or whatever and he said man how do you, you guys like change your style every single release like every record is like different somehow like it still sounds like quiet hounds but it's different Exactly. And um, that's really not premeditated, to be honest. I mean, I think that there has always been this um, kind of dichotomy of Michael and I being these like classic rockers. You know, we love <laughs> yeah. the Beatles and we love the Stones and we love like the stuff that has this certain approach to it. And then I think that Eric is more into like maybe what's going on out in the in the world of music today. Like not yeah. like mainstream stuff, but like indie rock or you know, some of these bands, like Eric was on, you know, really into uh, Phoebe Bridgers way before she, you know, was even like... Blew the hell up. <laughs> yeah, blew up. Like, he was like, oh, man, this is so cool. So he's a little bit more forward-thinking. I mean, way more forward-thinking than I am, but he's more forward-thinking towards modern music. And I think Brad is kind of somewhere in the middle of that. Like, he's not as far as me and Michael are with, like, the classic stuff, but he's... But, but also he's, not as far as Eric is. But not quite as far as Eric, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's kind of this balance in the band where it, well, you it know, really Spotify, has to do with... Spotify is an interesting thing because, you know, with your friends on Spotify, you, I can see what Eric's like listening to. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so it's kind of interesting to go yeah. and like listen to the stuff that he's listening to. Yeah, I don't really, not, I don't participate in Spotify, so I, I'm I not know. privy to that kind of information. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I try to say this stuff when I do posts, but not in a negative way, but just to say, hey, you know, if you want to support the band, try to do it this way. And then that never works yeah. because people just want to hear it on Spotify. So I'm like, hey, you know, try to get this stuff in your playlist and stuff. Because, you know, as a band, effectively, they, bands make z zero money off of their music, you know. So the effort that's put into writing, recording, the whole process, they make no money off of. And, and listening to a band on Spotify actually 
earns the band um, about like a one hundredth of a percentage of a you know penny or something. It's like you don't. It's nothing. I I did a paper for school last, this spring and it was like point zero 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 four or something like that at the time. I mean, it was of a penny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really low. It's so, it's ridiculous. So you have to have like a million streams, and the way the whole thing is set up is really whack. Um, there was a collective of UK musicians that got together and started a coalition and are suing the streaming services. So we'll see. I think there's I think there's a a, a union of sorts in the states. We may have mentioned this is on there? the show before, but yeah, um, another uh, podcaster friend. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his his podcast is called Bread Cheat, and he did an interview with the Eve Six guitar player. And, and Eve Six, I was thinking, like, what was yeah. that band? Yeah. yeah, and that guy is a part of a union that's doing something similar, which is they're trying to unionize musicians, not like session players, but like artistic mm -hmm. musicians, in order to try to do something about this because it is really a big deal. Even though, you know, we can all agree that, like, yeah, it's great that you know you can kind of take things into your own hands and and, pe you, and people can have access to what you're doing without a record label and all that stuff. That that part of it is good, but um, there is the other side of that, which is that effectively musicians work for absolutely no money um, unless they find some entertainment route that has actually nothing to do with making art. Um, and I, I really hope that there's a way to change that in the future um, because... There's a well, lot of work that goes into making the art. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I don't know if we talked about this on the show before, but the the new thing is uh, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And mm -hmm. so people are making uh, digital art um, and, uh, you know, record albums or visual art. And there's um, and they're selling them to people on. The, uh, so it's a blockchain technology. So you basically buy this unique item that only belongs to you and it's in completely encrypted and uncopyable. Um, and so it's actually making visual artists money money again so i think that's something that uh interesting you know musicians are exploring yeah. um so you know i don't know enough about it to really talk super intelligently about it but but it's it's completely different than streaming it's more in line with like owning a physical record album or something except right. you could make it like really limited so it could be a lot the scarcity will make it more valuable well, you know, one of the things that we said we wanted to talk about in regards to this release is, you know, this is just a single release, and then we're going to put out another single next Friday. And as a matter of fact, you know, we've kind of we've kind of talked a little bit about maybe just taking this approach moving forward in general, instead of really trying to sit down and put together, you know, a, an all-encompassing kind of record or an album, is just kind of do a couple of songs that we feel good about, put those songs out, you know, maybe yeah. do a little batch like this, put them out. And, and also I think there's a little bit of liberation in the idea of doing that because you're not so married to trying to make one sound that kind of goes together. Um, so you can experiment a little more. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're really not a band that is, that is very formulaic uh, in that way, you know, like, does it even make sense anymore to make an album, you know, as that V because isn't, I mean, 
to me, the album is sort of a vehicle that like a, like a, like when you come out with a movie and then there's the whole cycle of doing press for that movie for a certain period of time. And it's in the box office for, uh, you know, in the theaters for a certain period of time. And then it goes to home video, all that's being disrupted now, of course. So right. for you guys that don't really tour, I mean, it probably makes more sense not to put out you know, spend all that time putting out a record once a year or once every two years, it probably makes more sense to keep you guys fresh in, in your fans' mind to, to you know, give them bite-sized nuggets a little more frequently. And I guess that's what uh, the Spotify guy is saying as far as not, um, you know, it was very tone deaf what he was saying, but he was basically like, well, musicians just need to, you know, create more. I, I get it. Like, I understand this kind of new movement of content creation. Like I'm, I totally understand it. I understand how it's functioning. Um, but I'm also an old school mind when it comes to this kind of thing. I think, um, I think I had turned you on to, uh, Jack Conte, who's yeah. part of the scary pockets. And he's one of the founders, if maybe the founder of, uh, Patreon, yeah. And, uh, you know, Super you can cool watch stuff. Yeah. And, you, and he's a sick musician. I mean, you know, yeah. This and is, the people he plays with are sick too. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I definitely dig like what he does and I dig his mission for Patreon too. But I think that, you know, one of the things that he kind of preaches is that, you know, it's not all about, you know, dwelling on this one thing you're trying to make and just babying it and pressing it, you know, it's so this precious yeah. thing that matters. Cause he's like, at the end of the day, you know, nobody really even recognizes all that stuff that you put into that thing, right? It's more about yeah. putting out something and getting it out there and then doing that and just, and, and, and making it happen quickly. And I think there's definitely something to that. I think there's some truth in that. Definitely. There definitely is. But I'm also an old school kind of thinker, which is like, you know, Dark Side of the Moon was, which is probably my favorite record of all time. Like, that's not how that record was made, you know, no. like I think if you take and granted some of the greatest Beatles records, they only, they made them in probably 10 days or something. It's yeah. not about necessarily the time that you invest in it. It has more to do with the focus on which you put into it. Right. So you can put mm -hmm. focus into something and do it very quickly and it still have quality content. I right. think where, where people get off track is that even though what Jack is saying about that is true, people never learn how to put quality in the thing they're making, right? They only know how to put out shit as fast as possible to be relevant. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm just not, I'm not in that camp. I'm more in a camp of make something worth putting out, make something of quality, make something of meaning. And then, you know, so what if it takes you two years or you're not relevant? I mean, you know, because at the, at the end of the day, like I'm not a musician or an artist to be a capitalist. I'm a musician and an artist because it's, kind of my calling on this earth, right? It's the thing that I'm going to do while I'm here. It's not about, it's not about turning that into money. Um, and, you know, so, that's definitely not the way we all probably thought about it when we were young. I mean, I would say even before Quiet Hounds, you know, like Quiet Hounds, we had our expectations were a little bit more about the art and less about turning it into some big thing um, where, you know, when we were young, like everybody, I'm sure it was all like, you know, we were going to blow up and be the biggest band in the world and we're going to be but rich it, and, you know, the whole thing. But it's but. funny, you guys were focused on the art first, but, you know, the major label came calling. They saw it as commercially viable. You know, you decided to not do that, but... Yeah, I think know. that's my philosophical point is like, 
make something of quality. And if the byproduct is great success or the byproduct is interest from other people, or the byproduct is that you're now relevant. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's always been my philosophy in life is like, do the best you possibly can put out the best thing. And, you know, the cream will rise to the top. So, you know, with the band though, I think that we're, we're, you know, it's funny, like we mentioned this before we, before we started the show, but like, you know, about doing releases and doing single releases, like, yeah. man, when we started Quiet Hounds 10 years ago, one of the yeah. first things that I said when we were recording was, I think records are done. I think we need to put out small <laughs> releases in bite-sized content that people can consume in a way where they'll actually be able to like listen and enjoy to all of it. And we did that from day one. And the funny thing is, is like every time we get a review or write up, people are like, oh, they put an, uh, out an EP. I wonder EP. when they're going to make a record. And I'm like, that is the record, dude. Like, yeah. you know, you guys, everybody wants to put labels on everything and make it this thing that fits into this way of thinking where I was always saying like, no, well, make a piece of art that inspires someone and then take the labels off of it, right? I mean, it's why we wore masks in the beginning in the first place. It was like right. to try to break some of those cultural molds that had been, um, or cultural cages that had been placed in the music industry in general, like, you know, and they're still there. Well, uh, and blowing up the history too, because if, if they, if they saw your face, they'd be like, oh yeah, those are the guys from Trance's Ark. And they have some like preformed expectation about what the music is yeah. going to sound like. And it's completely and totally different than, yeah. than that music, even though it's the same, some of the same people. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that I was like in any way, like super in touch with like, you know, where things were going from a technology standpoint, but, but mm -hmm. I definitely was somewhat tapped into this idea, which is like making something that feels right. And then, and then putting it out however you want to, you know, I mean, you know, me, I've always been like that. It's why we did weird shows and, and didn't we, you put out music for free at first too? we did we we put out everything for free and this was kind yeah. of before that was the model you know and, exactly. and back then it was nice because you could actually you could barter it so i you know we say free but like we we could barter music for you know people tweeting about us or creating buzz or hype or actually talking about hey we really love this where now yeah. it's an expectation like you know with this release you know very few people said anything about it i don't think that means that people don't like it or that that fans aren't enjoying it it's just people don't spend their time trying to help artists prom be promoted this is not really where i wanted to go but you know what what aspect do you think um not having control of your social media platforms as in i.e the instagram algorithm the facebook algorithm you know wherever you're you know because uh, i've i've read a bunch of things recently about you know you're f keeping your fan base to yourself because you know um instagram is about to become what myspace what is mm -hmm. was you know irrelevant because you know facebook came in and killed instagram essentially so i don't know so are the people that like your music even seeing your content is my question i guess no I not nearly not nearly in right. the numbers of fans that we have for sure yeah and, uh, you know without getting into a deep hole of this i this topic because I think we have more fun topics to get into. Okay, that's but, fair enough. But without <laughs> like I doing said, that, I wasn't meaning to talk about it. No, but I want to say something about it, which is this, and and you'll read a lot of this about if you like. Sometimes I'll like read things about you know how to 
how to market yourself as an artist and what's important and all that. You know, my girlfriend is an, is a painter and, you know, yeah. we both, we both work from home. We rely on the internet effectively to make a living. And, um, you know, I think the most important part that I've heard over and over again is that you need to convert your Instagram followers, your Facebook followers, your anything that you have, you need to convert them into an email address that is yours. And the reason is, is because every single platform is going to die. They're all going to die eventually. If you can convert all of your social media followers into email addresses, at least you have some agency over communicating with those people. You know, right. they might not look at their emails or they may, you know, you know, they may unsubscribe to you or whatever. Um, but, you know, Quiethounds has a pretty good email base. Um, I think not, not nearly as much as we have social media because converting those people is hard. But early sure. on, we would trade free songs for email addresses. And uh, that really served us, I think, because, you know, I mean, there are months where we'll have 40,000 40, unique listeners on Spotify, you know, but we can't speak to those people, right? We can only speak to the few people that the algorithms let us hit on Facebook and, and such, which they want you to pay money for, which we're kind of stopping doing. I think you're right. I think you have to give them something of value in order to exchange their email address. I know I, I get lots and lots of emails every day from different folks. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. You know, and that's how with, I've, you know, and I've seen that change with NDATL too over the years, like not being able to reach my, you know, the target audience and, right. um, you know, and also being approached on the other side from publicists and it's just the email and then they don't really follow up with anything, uh -huh. you know, so I don't know. Yeah, they I have to change their game too. We get at least once a week, we get an email from a Spotify placement company. We oh, get yeah. an email from a, you know, a marketing agency. We get an email from a, a producer. We get an email, from, you know, every single yeah. week we get like the blanket of emails. They're like, Oh, we heard you guys on so-and-so. And then like, they'll reference a song that's like an interlude track or something, you know, it's like, yeah, you, you really spent some <laughs> time with our catalog. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening. And if you want to check out Quiet Hounds, you can go to quiethounds.com. We have a new single out called Black Swan. And this coming Friday, we'll have another single out called Waiting in Cars. Uh, we'd love for you to check it out. And you can also check out Audio Astronauts on Instagram and hit us up with uh, comments there. Thanks. And we'll talk to you next time.